Hello everyone, welcome to Open House The Podcast. That's not our actual name, in case you watched our Instagram video. It is just Open House. Welcome, we're so happy you're here in our Open House. The number four podcast in, in Ireland. Ireland. For relationships. <laughs> for relationships. Which... It's quite exciting to be I, fair. I mean, I was actually dying this morning. Like, obviously, po- like, charts are such a fleeting thing. Like, you know what I mean? You have a good episode and then they go up. Um, and, like, new listeners come and they go up. But it was, like, Brene Brown, Michelle Obama, The New York Times, and then us. So cool. I was so stoked. So exciting. Anyway, Mel, we... Basically, our parish notice today is regarding the word tortoise. No. Which was addressed. Uh, uh, um, pause. The word tortoise. Tor- no. Tortoise. No. Our parish notice tortoise. today is, the wo- is regarding the word tortoise. 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 So, I have been doing some uh, extensive qualitative You've research. really, um, really yes, committed to I've really research. committed to the craft. I've um, exploited all my family members and various friends from different parts of the country just to just to get a handle on whether the word is in fact tortoise as it should be pronounced or tortoise as it should be pronounced the the other folk like to pronounce so uh, my friend my my wonderful wonderful friend and friend of the podcast and friend of the podcast hashtag hall of fame friend honorary hall of fame listener dan sheeder which is a title he has crowned himself himself um but that's okay we'll be rolling out more of those um sent me a lovely voice note that i'm gonna play just to confirm that 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 I am not alone. I'm not in this world alone. I am seen and validated by other people around me, not Clancy. And if you could put that in a monologue, Mel, we'll be ready to submit it to the Royal Court. Yes, <laughs> 2023, here we come. Anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. Good morning, my love. I'm just sending you a quick voice note. I'm listening to the podcast this morning, um, your podcast, of course, from this week. Um, and the whole tortoise, tortoise, um, situation, um, it's just a message to back you up. It's tortoise. Thank you. It's tortoise. tortoise. I, I don't know where these southerners, where these Australians are coming up with tortoise, tortoise. Sorry, I needed a minute then. Tortoise. Just like when you look at the colour turquoise, it's almost spelt the same. We don't say turquoise. Oh, that's a lovely top you've got. It's a lovely shade of turquoise. No, no, <laughs> turquoise. So it's a tortoise. So it's a... <clears throat> oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm really sorry. I let my emotions get the better of me then. Um, but I'm with you, Mel. It's tortoise. We the north. I'm with me too. It is tortoise. Thank you. And Thank on you that, so much. Please follow us on Instagram at open house pod and on twitter at underscore open house pod and if you would like to validate me some more and tell me how um it is indeed tortoise and turquoise how we pronounce those words email me email us talkopenhouse at gmail.com just email mel i have no interest in anyone else saying the word tortoise you can also provide us with your difficult conversations on that email or you can leave them in the review section of apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast thank you so much we'd really appreciate it this week's guest is carl harrison who yes. is a choreographer dancer runner of gay aerobics which you will hear more about in the episode oh you will um this episode we recorded before christmas like in the run-up to it so 
all the Christmas references. We're not losing our minds. She's like, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> so stagey. <laughs> We're just, this is just, this was recorded a while ago. So please enjoy the Christmas feels. The- Merry Christmas to you and to all a good Stay away from love, actually. On with the show. Welcome Welcome to to Open Open House. House. The podcast all about having those difficult conversations. Ever had to hash out funeral plans with your terminally ill mum? Or ask if your dad is really your dad? We have and we want to chat all about it. Join me, Clancy. And me, Mel, as we open up and get into some nitty gritty details. Like therapy, but cheaper. This is Open House. Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Open House. Yeah. Today, we are so, so excited because we have Carl Harrison joining us in the virtual studio today. Carl is a performer and has been since he was on GMTV at the age of eight, modeling a very early version of what later became the global phenomenon, I can't say that word, phenomenon, we call the Ugg Boots. Wow. He is a dancer, actor, and choreographer, and has also co-founded and hosts Small Pleasures, which is a queer cabaret fundraiser seen in London, Brighton, and Shanghai. Carl also runs an online fitness class called Camp Fit, which is a body positive aerobics and conditioning class broadcasted live on Facebook four times a week. So epic. Welcome to our virtual studio, Carl. Yay. Carl, how are you? Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm good. I'm, I'm well, actually. I've finally like in the past sort of 48 hours started to feel like a slight christmas tingle so that's been quite nice nice. i've been full scrooge like didn't care at all about it and then um i think it's like the power of seeing the same thing over and over again i've seen so much tinsel now that something started to happen and i'm starting to feel a bit christmasy how's lockdown life been for you like uh, how's it been it's been like schemey I feel like I've been hustling like um yeah. like I've not had you know the all the work dried up as a performer and stuff so then camp fit began I started the gay aerobics online class that was born through lockdown that didn't exist before lockdown in a weird way lockdown's been horrible and scary for performers but I never would have started these things or thought about starting them was I not continually looking for work as we all do as performers so in a way it's been a blessing for that because I wouldn't have started the aerobics had we not been in lockdown. And I wouldn't have thought about this t-shirt business had we not been in lockdown. Because I'd have been too busy running around London buying flat whites and trying to go to rehearsals and all that shit that we do all the time. <laughs> so in a way, it's quite good. You just stop That's and like read so true. And also, uh, Camp Fit has gone like incredibly well. It's gone viral. Like, we had somebody on the podcast who, who knew about it. And like, oh my gosh, I know really? that. And then I was like, oh, great. And then kind of about great. it. Yeah, it's so cool. That's really nice. Yeah, I mean, it's yep. funny because it feels. I think to the outside, it looks really like it's like in the, it's gotten to some newspapers and stuff, which is really great. But the reality is that like every day, it's just kind of like eight mums that live in the Midlands that come to my class, who I love dearly. But people think it's like this big global phenomenon, and it's just like me and a few mums like doing some startups <laughs> in our bedrooms. But I love that. I don't want it to be more than that. But it, like, I think. The power of the internet makes it look like it's much bigger than it is, which I'm fine with, you know. <laughs> but also, if it means that nine mums come instead of eight because of the newspaper article, then I'd say that's a win. Exactly. Totally, totally, yeah, yeah. And it's just a joy to do it, you know. It's like, it's a totally, like, uh, kind of 
like guilty pleasures, shame free exercise thing that's fun and easy. It's nice to like, as a dancer, it's nice to kind of give that out to people and make it really simple and easy and fun and not be kind of hard and doesn't matter if you get it right. We just put some shit music on and we'll swear <laughs> and we'll talk about when we all used to go out and have a good time and yeah. But uh, you know, other than that, that's like work stuff. That was so that's all kind of fine in a way, but um human contact thing hard like that's annoying not seeing friends difficult kind of like ringing family initially I felt like at the start of lockdown I was very like ringing my family all the time are you okay are you okay and then as time went on I was like I'm kind of getting used to life without my family now <laughs> this is quite nice <laughs> and then and then now it's kind of building back up because I may or may not go home for Christmas but I suppose that it's like having the possibility of being able to go and see people taken away from you is hard. So like, even if I didn't go and see my mum for seven months, that's fine. But I made that choice. The choice is now taken away from me. And that bit is hard in my mind. Yeah. I think for everyone is knowing that you can't or knowing that you shouldn't at least. Yeah. That's been yeah. the tricky part of for me. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Do you guys feel that? Yeah, definitely. Like I'm, um, Clancy tells me you're from Manchester. Which I am, yeah, and I, I can hear of yeah, yeah, she's there. Uh, well, I'm from <laughs> St Helens originally, but Warrington, Ooh. and then between Manchester and Liverpool. So, um, but yeah, like, I so I don't always see my family that much, and I've been, I've been, you know, seven, eight months probably, and especially when we're at drama school, really long without seeing them. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's just that thing. And now I'm like, have to make conscious choices as to if I do. S- like see them yeah. over Christmas, like that's, uh, and I'm doing a show right now, so like that's that we know we're making sacrifices for that and then potentially going and seeing them over Christmas, you know, I'm like, these are big decisions to make and yeah. And yeah. also choices that are taken away. Carl, should we do two truths and a lie? Okay. I have a brother who was gay and is now straight. Okay. At high school, I was in a band with two other girls, and we were called the Bandana Bitches. I once got in a fight in Manchester with some homophobic men, and I threw a glass at them, and then the whole bar shouted, Gay Pride Night! And cheered me on. Um, I'll say them again. So... um, Brother, who was um, gay and now is straight. Bandana bitches, gay pride. No. Okay. <laughs> They're quite weird. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, God. These are great. These I think great. the lie is... <laughs> the bandana bitches? The bandana bitches, because I reckon there were, like, five of you and it was called, like, I don't know, the scarf situation. <laughs> That's <a good> <laughs> you know what? You know what? We rarely agree on these things, but I think so too. I think you've slightly changed it. And also I do obviously the situ the circumstances in which the last one happened are shit. But I also hope that that is true and that people, you know, got mm. behind you for mm. shutting down awful homophobes because homophobes Yeah. And then also like I, I could believe that, like, your brother's sexuality is fluid, so. <laughs> yeah. You're right! You're yes! Right. But only, the, the bandana bitches did exist, but they wouldn't let me in the band, and I was <gasps> Oh, my God! What they, actual bandana bitches? Yeah, well, they were like, do you have a bandana? I was like, no, but I can get one. 
and they were like, well, if you didn't have one already, then you're not a true bandana bitch. And I was like, oh, damn, it's true. <laughs> so, oh, my it, gosh. <laughs> what bandana bitches? What awful people. They like they they were great though. I really wanted to be in the band. They rapped and stuff, and they looked really cool. Oh, oh amazing! You... Oh, where are they now? Can you tell us about that night? Like what happened that night when you threw a glass? Yeah. Oh god, it was so out of control. You know, when you're like seventeen, eighteen, you go out drinking and you just drink like lots of sugar and alcohol, so you're just in a whole different headspace of like, Wah! yeah. Um, where were you, guy... Manny? We were at walkabouts and then we were in some other bar when this happened that I've forgotten the name of, but it's on that street. Do you know where the triangle is? Yeah. It's like one of those streets off there, like the one, there's that, the Harvey Nicks was there and there's that old Shakespeare pub down that road. Sorry, this means nothing to you, Cancel. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a little pub anyway there. We were all quite yeah, pissed. Yeah. And some guy came up to me and he went, stop fucking staring at me, mate. And I was like, I'm not staring at you. And then I used to say this phrase, which I thought was really funny, but in these days it's not okay to say. I went, I'm gay, not fucking blind. Wow, to look at you. And then he was like, leave me alone, leave me alone. Like, big argument, big argument, big argument. And then to the point where like friends were holding us back. But you know, you know, sometimes those things happen to you, like that happens, like microaggressions or people going like, assuming you fancy them because you're gay or all of this. And yeah. then sometimes just it happens one too many times and you're like, you know what, I'm not going to not say nothing this time. But then because we're not very, I, I, at that time I wasn't very well, well, well versed at speaking up for myself. It just all came out in a really extreme way. So then I ended up like throwing this glass in his face and then the whole bar had to kind of watch the whole thing happen. They were like, you know what, this guy's right. Yeah, gay, wow. And then I, we didn't actually have a fight, but then someone started shouting, gay pride night, gay pride night. And it just sort of caught oh on in the God. <gasps> And then the guy kind of just left because he was like overwhelmed by this clapping. And then that was the end of it. But I was just like... <sighs> <laughs> you know, like I, I can imagine. I mean, of course, oh. all of that happened in the space. All of that happened in the space of like, I don't know, a minute, but it felt like this epic film with some folding around me. I was yeah, gonna like say. two hours worth of cinematography going on, like full <laughs> choreo, you know, like <laughs> like a slow motion sequence where you look at the glass and you wrap your hand around it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because like I can remember it in such detail because it was such a strange situation. So yeah, all of that. But yeah, it was probably about one minute, but I've remembered it for the rest of my life and told like, every opportunity I can. But, oh, wow. but you know what? It makes me really pleased that a whole group of people were like, you know what? Actually, like, fuck you. He's right. Yeah. And also because it was like 2002 or something. It was ages ago. Oh, so, wow. So, you know, different time as well. Being like a woke like the, like like the young sort of millennial Gen Z side of of queer, I think you just assume like the past was bad. It was like bad. It was you know people wouldn't have been there and been on your side like da 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 da, da and all of that kind of stuff. So oh, yeah, yeah, nice, yeah. nice to hear stories. Obviously, out of what was you know a shit thing to happen to hear stories of people rallying around. Um, yeah, the community it, yeah. and being and there. A straight pub as well, and it wasn't in a posh bit of Manchester. Like all the elements were. It was really interesting. Mm. I mean, the guy was just a dickhead. Like, if a dickhead's a dickhead, like, even if they were homophobic, he was just being an obvious idiot. Yeah. So, cool, it's mm. pretty easy to take my side, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> what I am, um, I have to say, uh, that's a great segue into difficult conversations because I reckon that's, that's a pretty difficult one to have in terms of like 
how do I how do I stand up for myself? How do I formulate a sentence that's because also I think sometimes people can cross a bridge and sometimes they're just not having it. And so it's like almost like knowing when to appeal to a person and be like, is that actually how you feel? Mm. Or knowing when to just like, you yeah. know what? Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, it was not the way to handle it at all. Like myself now would not have done that. But in the moment, there was some sort of catharsis for me to be like, I'm actually just going to stick up for myself. And even though it came out in this kind of drunk, pubby way with throwing a glass, none of which I'm very proud of, but it was like... It like it did feel quite empowering. It was such a high afterwards. I was like, "Wow!" And speaking of sticking up for yourself, do you want to introduce yeah. your first difficult conversation? Speaking up for yourself as a performer was that the first one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tricky. What often happens for me is I've got more confident as time's gone on, so that I feel like I can stick up for myself now. But I've also been you know 13 years working as a performer professionally so like that it, and that's not happened that's been the last five years I felt like I can actually speak up for myself so it takes ages yeah um the situations where it's arisen is I've been in a group of people where we're not being treated fairly and I can see that if I don't do it no one will right I've spent a lot of time being in groups where it's like oh that person does that bit there's the person that speaks up for everybody you know there's often that person that's quite like a bit louder in the group or the person that's got more moral fiber or something I was just like no we're not putting up with this and especially if you're in a group situation as a performer you can hide behind that person and they do all the speaking and yeah I'd go oh yeah great thanks for doing that but you don't actually then have to go through what it feels like to speak up someone yeah. so even if you feel like you're being heard you're still not speaking and they're two different things mm. So one instance I had, which again is this kind of, maybe it's a pattern with me actually, because this came out in the wrong way, but it was also the beginning of a, a breakthrough of a deeper relationship with the director because um, I was doing a show at the the Royal Hop Opera House in the Paul Hamlin Hall, you know, that big glass conservatory bit that's attached to the Royal Opera House. Amazing. We're doing like a dance show in there anyway. Amazing. And um, it was in the daytime and then the director just kind of like two, the half an hour before we were going to perform said, oh, and Matt and Carl, when you do this duet, I think you should just do it topless because that'll look great. And I was like, like in my, in my head, like there'd been a series of things with this director that was a bit like, you kind of, I don't know, not, not dealing with things very well. I was like, and then I was like, mm, you can't just tell people to take their tops off. You have to ask them like men or women, whoever it is, like, so I was like, Luca, can we have like a discussion about this, please? Um, and he was like, well, what's your problem? And I was like, um, whether I feel comfortable or not taking my top off, we've got half an hour before um, we go on stage. Matt and I have never rehearsed it with our tops off. It's completely different dancing body to body with, with no clothes on, da, da, da. And it kind of escalated. And I was like, these are loads of legitimate reasons why this shouldn't happen. And he, he got kind of upset. He's sort of had this hot head attack. Italian guy he's lovely we're extremely close now but it only happened actually through this incident happening and he was like well I don't know what your problem is like god it's not like you know you're fat or anything and I was like that's like that's a whole other kettle of fish that I don't even have to get into just because I'm not fat doesn't mean that I don't have body issues I was like Luca you and then it all got nasty I was like Luca you've got body issues and you're not fat like there's millions of people who have body issues they're not one and the same thing like they're not mutually Anyway, so it went like this. I'm like getting angry again as I retell the story. <laughs> but um, 
I was terrified to do it, and I could see that Matt also didn't want to have to perform topless. And I could see that everybody in the group also thought that it was wrong to be asked that. So as much as me sticking up for myself and challenging the director in the moment, I could see a bunch of faces of performers going, like slightly down, trying to go, oh God, we're going to say yes and do this, aren't we? Because that's because we're we bitches and we just do whatever we're told or something. And I was like, there was something about their faces that, counted more to me than what he just asked I was like actually it's enough of like there's such a line and you know it people will continually push that line further and further and further into one direction unless you start to go actually these are my limits these are my boundaries and what's wrong about that but was positive in a way is from there I gained a lot of respect from that director and he would then I sort of then start to have a bigger voice in the room and I was like but it shouldn't have to come to this I shouldn't have to have this awful difficult situation with you in the, in this room in the front of everybody that got a bit argumentative and shouty for you to then go oh I really respect Carl he's got a strong voice it's like everybody here's got a strong voice you should create space for everyone to be able to speak mm. it shouldn't get to the point where we have to shout to be heard um but so that was the first thing and then from there I was like oh that's what that feels like okay I can handle that feeling and then start mm. to develop strength to do it more, not like going in and arguing with everyone I find, but just being like, oh, you, you can you can speak up for yourself and it doesn't mean you're gonna get sacked, which is what I used to think. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, what do you think makes it so difficult as a performer to speak up for yourself? And because I had in my head that that would have been, especially as, a, you know, we just graduated drama school, that would have been in mm. my head, the reason as mm. to why I wouldn't have been able to myself gone, oh, maybe I should mention mm. that. But yeah, in your opinion, what, what makes it so difficult? as a performer to... Well, I think school doesn't teach you to speak up. Like, I mean, I went to dance school and you'd barely even speak the whole time you were at dance school because you just dance. <laughs> so you don't say anything. You just dance all day long, which is wonderful. I kind of miss it because I think I'm too gobby now. But it's <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> you know, to express yourself. That's like, why you come on podcasts. <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> I get it all out here and then go yeah uh i think it's tricky and i think it's really tricky when you graduate there's no way i would have done it when i first graduated which is sad to say but it's true because you're just you're so in that mindset aren't you of like god if you can get just a few jobs unpaid whatever you're just scrambling like scrambling around yeah. trying to get a foot in a door or a hook on something because it's terrifying when you graduate like you're just like you're just now a professional yeah. There's like no, like, there's no like mid ground. It's like, hang on a minute. So I've just graduated, and I'm essentially a professional actor, like uh, Meryl Streep. We're essentially got the same job, but I just don't feel like you know, like it's such a chasm of like graduation to actual um, working. So I totally understand the fear of speaking up at that stage because all you're trying to do is be liked. There's a big part of getting work. Do well. Turn up. Yeah, so so it's kind of challenging things would not come into the kind of how your mind works at that time. But so for me, I think speaking up as a performer should be taught by schools. I think it should be in the education of of performance that you should learn to know what your limits are, which I think is starting to happen. Like I think a big part of what came out of uh, certainly in some of the contemporary dance schools, like the Black Lives Matter movement, was rewriting policy and things in schools for people to know what was okay and what wasn't. And mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you've heard that from your schools. If they've... Yeah, I went back to our old drama school actually to have a discussion and a conversation. It was 
um, myself and it ended up being two other um, people from my year who are uh, 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 black people, people of color. Um, and we basically had a conversation about that, about the things that were maneuvering and changing and what sort of things could be put in place um, with uh, sort of like affinity groups and groups of people in order to be able to um, educate yourself with people around you that have had the same experience to then be able to repop yourself back into the society that is your year or the society that is your school so that you feel like you have this voice that has been exercised with people that are close to you and around you and 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 have had the same experience as you it was useful and I think I think things are hopefully changing because I think it's so important but I do yeah. think there's like a long embedded culture of like a very specific power structure, which we then carry forward to yeah. like working life. But it's so embedded in us in school. Like the amount of time, like I got kicked out of a class once for rolling my eyes because I, um, oh, I, yeah. Because I, I know. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah. I got kicked out of a class and like yelled at because I rolled my eyes because I, um, I didn't get a chance to dance one of the exercises and I was like, Oh, I haven't gotten a chance to dance. And he, and the, the teacher responded, lol, he's going to kill me for this. Um, so I'm still scared. I'm scared now. Um, and he was like, he was like, we should have been ready. And I was like, and I was getting worked up because I was like, I was ready. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just didn't want to go and dance with five other people. Just, saying, sorry, sorry, I'm paying for my education. Could I please get a chance to dance? I got yeah. punished for that. Yeah. So it's crazy. It it creates a culture and then you to be honest like you go into professional jobs and it I think it takes I mean you know I don't think I've had enough now to to really feel like I can go okay I can say something I can I can speak up and I can say something because there's still such a divide between your creatives and your performers because I don't think they assign us enough um especially in musical theater I don't think we get assigned artistic license which for me as a creative individual mm. is really frustrating mm. you feel yeah, a bit that's like interesting a like through art forms because I suppose in musical theatre sometimes the whole show is already choreographed and made they're not even making any change yeah. it's just got to come in and yeah. so it's it's like bringing your your own charisma or character to those moves as opposed to going oh what do you think should we create this so that is true because I think in contemporary dance often you build the show together so you you do get used to speaking more I've done a couple of jobs where they've done like quite good performer care which isn't so much like speaking up it's like they make space for you to speak up. So one thing that I'd only ever done it this with this company, but it's quite amazing, is at the end of the working week on Friday, the director would leave at 5.30, and from 5.30 to 6, we would stay with a kind of outside ear. Um, and you were free to say whatever you liked about that week's rehearsals, including anything you want to say about the director. You're having a good time. Do you like the way she's talking to you? Is this working for you? What rehearsals do you feel like? You're getting what you need from Sue? Do you need more in the room? And it was a total like open open house, well, to say whatever you liked. And we would do it and stuff would be said and she was quite tricky to work with at times. You come back the following week, things would have changed without her going, Clancy, I heard that you said that you think I'm a bit mean to you. She wouldn't say that, she would just change yeah. her behaviour. And it was amazing. It was like this little gateway to be like, oh, I can say what I like without having the fear of the person that I feel like holds the strings of my career. And like, yeah, really hard to say it to the person because an artistic relationship is very, it's very hard to kind of then also have a professional relationship. It's not like an office job where you can complain about your boss because it's also melded in, isn't it? When we do these, yeah, yeah, and also everyone's and going to pub afterwards. It's all this world, isn't that? Yeah, like... and it's also a bit like 
you're bearing your soul. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? Mm. It's a personal thing and everyone's got a stake in creating it and wants to represent uh-huh. their voice. And being that vulnerable means that it is always personal, even though we go about, you know, being... Uh, saying in an ideal world, no, 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 you leave your shit at the door. You know, you, you know, it's yeah. not, it's not personal. If somebody is criticizing your entire being and personality and saying <laughs> that you're not right for this and that your toes aren't pointed on that, like yeah. that is still a comment yeah. on you. Do you know what I mean? Like, and also that I find that yes, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because you can't ask that much of a performer and not expect them to feel exposed and vulnerable in the room. Like who can give that much and then Mm. be like, Oh, and you can just say whatever I like and I can suddenly become an automaton and just go, Oh, thanks for the feedback. Bye. It's like, you know, (laughs) sweating your head off or giving everything you can to this carrots or crying your eyes out, like really pushing yourself and then go, go, Oh, it's really work or like not be, get a kind response. Like you've got to be pretty icy inside to not feel a bit of hurt if it doesn't, do you know what I mean? Mm. or you're not giving and oh you're really holding back on how much you give so that you don't get hurt it's like one of these two things it's like a toxic kind of romantic relationship isn't it, it is, it is. <laughs> shall we move on to your second difficult conversation card yes stereotype i'm so interested in this one yeah this is a weird one i mean this one you can talk about forever um this kind of came from, so this is like not playing up to people's stereotypes of you which is kind of, I was trying to think of something also slightly separate from uh, performing or, or like what we all do and love, but um, it came a little bit out of um, particularly growing up North. It actually came out of that story that I was thinking of Gay Pride Night. Um, is people see me or initially when they see me, they see, they uh, hear my voice that's quite camp and gravelly and Northern. I make a lot of jokes. And um, and I'm a dancer, and so they they're like your three like I guess your identity identifiers in a way. And so what I I still do to this day because it's so inbuilt is I'll go like oh yeah I know what you mean yeah let's be really campy like meet certain people that be like oh we should go shopping you're lovely you come on let's go shopping aren't you fun my little gay boyfriend <laughs> and you kind of get infantilized by certain like older women or whatever and you just go along with it and I used to actually really enjoy it. Um, and then yes and that happens also a lot uh, in in dance and in work you get seen in one certain way and then it's extremely difficult if you don't feel like that is fully you it's definitely part of me those things like campy gay north and that's you know built our bloody career on it but to also start to show other sides of yourself and it could be extreme because it's kind of like I don't know if you guys feel this especially I guess with typecasting as well like you learn to be really good at that stereotype because you know that's what people want to see. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's that kind of girl. Oh, and then she's that kind of girl. Oh, he's that kind of guy. And you're like, I know exactly what you want and I could do it in two seconds. But if I keep doing it, and I'm talking work and I'm also just talking in life, like I'll, I'll just actually become that person unless I start to rally against it a bit. If that feels true for you, maybe the person they see you as is who you are. But like, you know, we've all got a lot more to offer, I think, than a stereotype's often quite a narrow blinkered view, isn't it? it mm, probably about three things about you when everyone has hundreds of things about them. Um, so that's just kind of, I don't, I don't know if I have like an, an advice about how to not do that, but it's like, I suppose moving to London was quite an important part for me because people, some people like the northernness, I don't know if you have this male, becomes an even bigger factor. It becomes like a caricature of your like identify, like always oh, from Manchester. Mm. Um, 
<laughs> but then also you meet people that aren't from this country and then that doesn't mean anything to the Manchester or London so they see you differently mm. and that's quite exciting and then some people you know just like you realize how cultural some of those identifiers are and those stereotypes so when you start to meet a sort of more broad range of people they don't see that because that's that's a British thing mm. and um and then you can start to go oh actually that's that's actually a bit of an act that bit I've just been doing it so long that I've forgotten that it, it is an act. And you mm. can start to kind of, I don't know, start to break some of those layers away of like how you sort of present yourself to people when you first see them because it feels easy for them and it's easy for you to do. Yeah. So my thing is make loads of jokes, be quite loud and crank up my Northern accent and be really gay. <laughs> have, you, have you ever had an instance where you've had to be like, I feel like you're projecting something on me that doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do I have examples of that? I feel like that happens quite a lot. Um, especially because if you announce yourself sort of like things, for example, things like Camp Fit, I announce, announce myself extreme, like Camp Funny, ooh, Disco, ah. But actually, there's to me, there's, it's, there's a lot more depth to it than that. That's mm. its presentation. It's supposed to be light and fun, but the truth of it is I want to get to something that's about people uh, improving people's mental health through exercise because if you come at exercise for a fun way you're definitely going to feel better about doing it something that has no body shaming in it it's not about changing your body it's just about being with your body but when you start to announce those things too heavily then the thing itself loses its fun so it's kind of like this balance isn't it like it's fun it's fun it's fun like let's just all do whatever whatever like I'll be shit with you don't worry about it I don't even really know what I'm doing I made it up last night like keeping it super (laughs) casual But there's a purpose to all of that that's deeper. So you could easily see it as like, oh, look at this gay boy in his shorts doing that. Or you could go, oh, my God, look at this thing that he's actually trying to achieve. Or do you know what I mean? Like things on the surface look like, oh, it's just that. But it's like everything has a sort of, I don't know. Yeah. It's quite hard to talk about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is. But I don't know if you have that as particularly, I suppose, because you're just graduating and all of that, like, and you both have particular looks, so I imagine they it's hard to like rally against that for casting things. And also then, do you ever find that those things overlap and people go, oh, you're kind of that kind of cast, therefore that's who you actually are in real life? And it's like, no. Yeah, I wondered that for a long time. So I think I used to like dress um, like a lot more femme than I do now. I mean, mm. fairly neutral garb, but like I think with a lot of stuff like that. And I, I, rem- I actually recently went to an audition whereby I'd gone sort of in, um, not that I had, I'd made an, I'd, you know, you make an effort for an audition. I made an effort for an audition, but there was a bit of me that I was like, ah, oh, I feel like I need to stop like putting on this like very specific audition version of myself and I'm going to give this thing a go whereby I'm going to go more as me I can still deliver the goods I can still do the work that they want and they ask of me and then I was like oh I wonder like sort of what and then and then post that I went I I think it was like another round I went in in a dress um and I was like oh I want like I wonder how like what difference that would make I don't know what difference it made um but yeah it was like a very conscious decision in my mind that I was like oh I don't know to what extent going into an audition fully as yourself if it's not if it doesn't uh represent the character is a good idea or a not good idea i've read some articles mm. of different performers mm. and actors that have that have done this that have kind of been able to shed that um oh i'm going in and doing performance version of me or i'm going in and trying to be this very especially if it is a 
um character that isn't particularly close or in line to like what your I don't know expression is um I didn't because it doesn't mean that you can't act those things it doesn't mean that you can't play those things do you know what I mean be that what what, wherever that comes um and I don't really I don't really know the answer I think as you get more experience perhaps that changes and as people get Mm. to know you better that changes um for me um it's not so much a stereotype more of an energy thing whereas because I'm like very on and I'm happy Mm. and my energy is very loud (laughs) and I like being silly and goofy and I think people think that there's that's all there is yeah, I think yeah. it's it's really interesting. Yeah. That's quite... No, I was mm. just going to say, when you meet new people, mm. what point do you think in a relationship you go, actually, I'm my true... I'm the true version of myself that I think I know to a person like yeah. this person, with them, I can then be that person. And how do you think you overcome that barrier? Mm. Yeah, that's interesting because I, f- I feel like now... I mean, I'm 34 now, so, you know, I'm 900 years old in performance land. <laughs> but um, I feel like I, it's very little. I don't feel like there's a huge amount of that going on now. I just kind of am almost my... Like, everyone's a slightly different version of themselves when they first meet somebody, but I don't feel like I'm, I hide too much now. I've got much more comfortable. But that's taken a lot of work. and It's also just time, which, you know, it just takes time to kind of go can't keep this act up it's too exhausting it's not sustainable for me to behave like this all the time um uh what I did start to do is because I think I'm like you Clancy like I'd be going with a lot of energy and be like try and please try and please is uh which I've learned from just watching other people is some people actually instead of being the loudest person or like the keenest person in the room is you can take another approach and go actually I'll sit back and I'll be here and I'll work hard but I won't do my big personality stamp immediately and let myself be seen in another way. And I've tried that before and it's not in my nature to do it because I'm quite extroverted, but it does get a totally different response. You go, you kind of build, you know, I notice to start to build some deeper friendships and relationships with people because you didn't turn up with like full caricature, Carl, like, and then that gives people time to like come to you as opposed to rushing at them. And then Mm. it just develops a whole other relationship. But that, that's a learnt thing. That's not in my nature to do that. So now I try and balance those two things. Um, as performers as well, I think we get extremely quick at reading people. And we can offer ourselves in different ways. Like sometimes I'll go around a room and feel like I've had been 25 different cars talking to each person. So I'm like, you probably don't like it, but I swear. You probably want to talk about dance a bit more. You're probably not feeling very well today, so I'm going to try and make you laugh. And then a lot of it, because I think we're all empaths, aren't we? We all want to, like, please everybody all the time in whatever form that takes. So you just kind of, we get very well-versed at it. So then sometimes you feel like all of it's a lie, but I think actually all of it's true. And it's just that that's, it's, it's okay to be kind of trying to be kind to people and then slightly shifting how you behave to suit the energy of that person that day. I think it's quite a kind thing. Because I definitely have some friends that are like, oh, God, I behave like this with this person, like that with that person, with that director, I do that. I'm like, I think that's because you're extremely emotionally intelligent, not because you don't know who you are. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so interesting. I know you mentioned about sort of like in your personality, you like to tell jokes and stuff. And that's part of, you know, being generally <laughs> funny and stuff. And obviously we talked about the power struggles of, you know, performers or bridging that gap. Um mm. 
uh, yeah, I was just wondering, like, how how much of that do you think, like, perhaps if you're going into an audition or if you have somebody that's on um, somebody that's meant to be sort of like slightly higher in the power, higher in the power structure, yeah. does humour um, like reinforce or have a comment on those relationships? Do you think if yeah. you're like naturally quite a funny person? I'm only saying this because I think the three of us, like, it seems that we use humour a lot. I just wonder if, yeah, I just wonder if you think in perhaps an audition situation or a situation whereby there are different power dynamics, like, what, do you you think people find that intimidating and stuff like that? If you can be funny and crack loads of jokes and be famously quite (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's a really tricky one, isn't it? It's all about reading the room with that because sometimes, like, as much as I hate to admit it, there's not always place for humour. Sometimes it's time to be serious. And um, mm. what I tell myself is because my, I think it's something that I've learned from escaping bullying at school. Is like humour's been my whole defence tactic. My life It's like I, I can crack a quick joke, so that'll be me. So it is. Uh, as I try when, especially when I start a new job as a performer, as I say, um, what is my little phrase? It's like do the work, then tell the jokes. It's like turn up and start working hard. And like um, for me, it's also because I feel like the that side of like being a funny person at the pub or whatever I've been doing forever. And I, I never feel like I'm actually that brilliant as a performer. So I used to compensate for that to be like, I'm not really the best dancer here, but look, I'm like the fun one. And then I started to change my mind about that and be like, turn up, start working hard, prove yourself in this room that you belong there and that you can work hard and that you can learn the stuff and you're really dedicated to this work. And then let that, um, that side of you come out. well maybe you guys can manage it but I can't do both well I have to either like really work hard and then I can start to be funny once I feel like that's done or or I come in joking and I haven't learned anything and I'm just distracting everybody else by trying to get their attention all the time which isn't very conducive Mm. (laughs) so so I think you know remember that it's a job at the start the like working class northerner in me is like this is a job and you're here to work um and then you know, make friends, get levered in the pub, slag the director off, that's all fine as well. But um, yeah, I think start with the work and then build the friendships and the, the fun. Because also you kind of earn that respect, don't you? Once you, once you feel like that's a case of working relationship, that then starts to give space to yeah. lock it about and having fun. Whereas if you start like that and then you're not getting anything done, you're going to start getting an aggie director or an aggie choreographer. Some of the performers that don't want to mess about and really want to work will be pissed off that half of it feels like a playground. Mm. Yeah. And then it's also that, like, let it lead you. Like, if what kind of director you've got? Are they, are they fun or are they very serious? If they're very serious, then it's a serious room and you have to respect that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's tricky though, isn't it? Because the whole thing is like a big social setting. It's not an office job, you know. You're, you're no. like kind of like all these new people being extremely intimate with them, like doing these scenes together, dancing together. Don't if sorry, what's your name again? Okay, we're gonna snog you, and they're gonna wrap my legs around yeah. you, and they're gonna drop on the floor. So what is yeah. it? Oh, Carl. Yeah, hi, I'm Kim. No, nice to meet you. It's like so. <laughs> what we do. Yeah, if you're like on top <laughs> of each other. Yeah, it's, I do. Um, I do. Mel and I have spoken about this before. I do think our sense of like uh, physical boundaries are very different to other people, especially coming from the dance world, because both myself and Kazi have had like a fairly yeah. um, dance background like that again yeah. because you're constantly so intimate with your body and other people's bodies it just is by the by and really yeah. flips over your head I think yeah 
yeah, I remember going home on Christmas after dance school. My family were like, what are you doing? So I was just, it's not, it's not that they, we don't touch each other. It's that I would leave my hands there. You know, I'd like put my arm around my auntie Lena and talk to her for 20 minutes. Because you see her like, she looks like, <laughs> up, like earrings, like, get your fucking hand off me, weirdo. Because that's what we did. Like, I didn't know that. I didn't, I wasn't like that. But dance school, you just get so like that. And then, yeah. you know, you just kind of like got hands on people at all times to like connect. Mel and I had one class. <laughs> it's just not normal. <laughs> we were waiting for a voice class to start. And the entire class just did a giant spinning train. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> just like a which, giant Which if food. I'd seen outside of dance school, I'd be like, oh, I hate it when people do that. But in dance school, it feels really normal. Yeah. yeah. I think we'd been like, all really like, we were all quite hungover and we needed a hug. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But then in real life, I'm like, ooh, PDA, like, get it away. But then, like, in the comfort of your own house, like, like you know, the, the two of us will just be, like, in the house and I'll just be like, you, do you know what I mean? Like, somehow have some sort of, like, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, it's so it's so odd. It's funny. It's like People always think Mel and I are together. Oh, always. Especially when we were walking our dog but before my dog Teddy died. That's, that's really nice. Do you let I them know. Talk, think it, never clear it up? Yeah. No idea, yeah. Unless, like... <laughs> Unless, like, you know, I've had a girl over and I'll be like, no, no, she's not a thing. <laughs> she's no one. <laughs> it's really okay. She has a boyfriend. It's okay. She has a room there next really? to my room. It's okay. Clancy comes in. How could you? <laughs> Flips the table. Her time You're is done. only mine. <laughs> it's over. I thought we were recording a podcast this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, Hannah. Never be anyone to take your place. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Very, very quickly before we go, is there anything you want to plug uh, before uh, we go? If you want to do some gay aerobics with me, Carl Harrison, then give me a follow on Instagram or Facebook. Both handles are the same. It's at CampFit with Carl. That's at CampFit with Carl. There's string fest, there's short shorts, and there's <gasps> 80s disco music. That's amazing all. do it <laughs> yes well thank you so much and happy birthday to your boyfriend thank you and merry christmas to both of you speak to you soon merry christmas, merry christmas. Bye. bye this has been open house with me mel Lowe, and me clancy ryan music by glenn clark